0: Welcome to the UNT-BSM audio resources. If you want more information on the BSM, you can go to UNTBSM.com. Thanks for listening. Well, I am excited to be here tonight um, to teach and to um, kind of walk us through Ephesians 4. Um, And so... I want to mainly do, like, to teach this so that you're prepared to go in your connect groups and um, better understand it. Um, And so we will be looking at chapter four of Ephesians, um, but before we do, I want to look back at kind of some of the context um, of the first part of uh, this letter up to this point. So Paul, who is writing this letter, um, is in prison and has been in prison during this whole time, um, and he's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. Um, and this church consisted both of Jews and Gentiles. And so Becca kind of talked about what Gentiles were, and Gentiles were anyone that were not Jews, so pretty much everybody else. Um, and his goal in writing the letter was to exhort them to be unified, uh, to be a unified church amongst the division in their body. So over the past few weeks, um, we've been looking at the first three chapters of Ephesians where Paul is explaining how they can be saved. And so he says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Um, And so we see that we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, And he shows his grace for his people by saving them even though they were dead in their sins, as it says in chapter 2. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so this was us before um, Christ came. And so as we've seen throughout the first half, God continually pours out his grace on us. The people that he has created. He demonstrates it all throughout Ephesians. And it says in um, chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. And so the goal in all of Ephesians is to demonstrate that the members of the church are to be unified, that we are to be reconciled first with God, so we're supposed to be saved, and then we can be unified and reconciled with the body of Christ. Um, And so the reason that such a diverse group of people, the church in Ephesus, or both Jews and Gentiles, can achieve this unity um, is because of the salvation that they have all received through Christ. And the church has Christ in common, and he is the head of their body. So in chapter 4 that we'll be looking at today, Paul is exhorting the members of their church, which means he is strongly encouraging them. He is strongly encouraging the members of their church, whether Jew or Gentile, to be united in Christ, and to preserve that unity through the things that they have in common. And so we'll have three points this week. Um, The first point is the call to be unified as one body in Christ. And the second point is the different gifts that have been given to the church by Christ. And thirdly, the purpose of these gifts, and these gifts are for the edification and unification of the church. So we'll be looking at Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, and like Becca said, you can find it in the White Bibles on page 568. Um, And I'm just going to kind of read it as we go through it, so I'm not going to read all the way through the text. So um, let's look at the first point, which we see in verses 1 through 6, um, the call for us, the church, to be unified. So read with me, 1 through 6. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so we're going to look at, we're going to answer this question, what is unity? Well, unity um, is the act of being joined as one, and so why should we as a church be unified? Well, we have been commanded to be maintain the unity in the Spirit, or of the Spirit. And so how do we maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? Well, we do this by walking in humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And we don't create this unity we are called to preserve the unity that has already been established by Christ in his death and resurrection. So Christ is this bond of peace, and he has reconciled us to God and to others who are in the church. So we can maintain and preserve this unity that Paul is talking about because of what Christ has done, and through the power of the Spirit working in us, the believer. And so we also see very clearly in this first section the three persons of the Trinity, Um, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We see that, as, that we as one body are to be united in one spirit, um, and that we have one Lord, which is Jesus Christ, and one God and Father of all. And furthermore, all of the things that Paul mentions in verses 4 through 6 are the things that we as Christians have in common, and they are what unite the body of Christ. So we share these things as believers. We are part of one body, one spirit, We have one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. And since we are to work to preserve this unity that has already been established, these are the things that we have in common with our brothers in Christ. So these are seven realities uh, that form the basis of true Christian unity. So one body, which we talked about, is the church. One spirit, the spirit of God who gives life to all believers. We have one hope. And that is the hope that we will one day be united with God for all eternity when Christ returns for the second time to finally erase the effects of sin and death in our world. We also have one Lord, which is Jesus Christ. We have one faith, which is a unified belief in the basic doctrines uh, of Jesus, or the basic doctrines of faith in Jesus. We have one baptism, symbolizes that we are washed clean of all sin, and that the regenerating work of the Spirit has happened in us. It also symbolizes the unity that we have with the body of believers. It is a sign of us being set apart as Christians. Also, the last thing we see is we have one God and Father of all. He is over all and through all and in all. He has power over all things because he has created all things. He is through all, meaning that he works through everything and uses them to accomplish his purposes. He is in all, meaning that his spirit is present in every believer, and he is present in all places at all times. So these seven realities point to how we how and why we should be united as the church. But Paul isn't quite done explaining this. He wants to further explain how we walk in unity with other brothers and sisters. So this brings us into our second point: the different gifts that Paul has given, or that not Paul, the different gifts that have been given to the church by Christ. So read with me verses uh, 7 through 12, and Paul's going to explain what these gifts are. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so we see in this section that God has given gifts according to the measure of Christ's gift, and they are to help us maintain unity in the body. So, what are those gifts? Well, he, we see in verses 11 through 12 that those gifts are specifically people whose main job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body. And so that would be the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And we see that because Christ has descended, he has given us his spirit. And his spirit is the one who gives gifts to his church. And so these people whose job is to build up the church are given those giftings by the spirit. Since Christ is no longer on earth, but in heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father. So we see that in John 14, verses 25 through 26, when he says... These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Um, and so we see that we all have been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. And that's in verses 7 through 8. So grace here refers not to, not to saving grace, but to grace given to serve the church. And he does not give us Gifts according to our ability, but according to the measure of Christ's gift, which is the Holy Spirit. So there are two different gifts that he's talking about here in this this section. Um, The first is the fact that everyone in the body, all believers, have been given the Holy Spirit and through the power of the Spirit um, have been given gifts that work to fulfill the purposes of God uh, for his glory and for our good. So that's the first um, gift that he's talking about. And secondly... Um, The second gift that he's talking about is that there are some people, uh, the gifts that he's talking about in verse 8, that he has specifically called and specially designed to serve the church and to aid in the growth of the body. So we see that that's pastors, shepherds, evangelists, teachers, apostles, and prophets. And to hold any of these positions in the church uh, requires us to be called to do so by Christ. And not just because we think it would be something cool to do, fun job, not quite what what he's getting at. And so these leaders in the church are also not necessarily seen as better or holier than the rest of us. Um, Those whom the Lord has called to be elders and pastors specifically will be judged with greater strictness because they have been charged with equipping Christ's saints. So this is not a job that is to be taken lightly, but a job that bears a great amount of responsibility. And so we see through verses 7 through 12, the faithfulness and grace of God and his giving us his son and then his spirit. And because God is so good and knows exactly what we need, um, he doesn't just stop there. He blesses us, the church, the body, with people he has specifically gifted to equip us, the saints, for the work of ministry. So we are those saints that he is talking about. So that ministry is going out and bringing others into his body. This leads to the building up of the body of Christ. And this is not talking about us individually, but about the body of the church. So we are called to be united. And this does not mean that we don't have individual giftings like we talked about earlier, um, but that, we, that these pastors and leaders in the church have been given to the body to build it up. And we'll talk more about what that looks like in the next point. Uh, but before going into that, I also wanted to kind of clarify verses 8 through 10 for you guys uh, in the context of this passage because it can kind of seem a little confusing. So in verse 8, Paul is quoting uh, Psalm 68 as a prophecy that the Messiah Christ Uh, would ascend to heaven and triumph over demonic forces. And so this is used to emphasize our triumphant Savior. And then in 9 and 10, this is pointing us to the fact that if Christ ascended to heaven, he must also have descended. It's a logical thing. Um, He must also have ascended, or descended to earth. So when he descended, he took on the sins of his chosen people and bore the wrath of God for those sins by dying on the cross. And by his death and resurrection, he conquered death and sin, and rose and ascended on high. This is the good news of the gospel, that because of the great love that the Father had for the Son in the Spirit, he sought to share that love and unity with his creation, his people. And the greatest act of love that was demonstrated in God the Father, sending his Son to descend to earth, to become flesh, to die and ascend on high, conquering death and Satan for sinners. This is what Christians have in common with one another, that this is the, these are the gifts. This is what the gifts, these people that God has given the church are here to remind us of and to help us be united in. And so we'll see that in our third point, it has said that he gave the church these gifts for their edification and unity. So when it says in verse 1 that we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called, that means that we are to walk in this unity that has already been established. We are called to preserve that unity. That these people that God has given to the church are here to equip the saints and encourage unity in the body. That is the purpose of these gifts, these men and women. Back up to verses 11, we'll read and see, uh, we'll read back up to 11 and read all the way through 16. So read with me, 11 through 16. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Um, And so we'll see in this third point um, that we've already touched on these gifts and what they do for the church, uh, but now we're going to go into more depth on the purpose of these people in the church. So the purpose of these people is to build up the body. So what does it mean to build up the body? Well, it means to train and equip them for the work of ministry. And they do that, these men and women, they train us through preaching and proclaiming the word of God to their church body. And once the saints have been equipped with the word, those men and women then go out into the world and serve others and proclaim the gospel. This then leads to the body being built up both spiritually, the members growing in their faith, and in quantity, uh, the members inviting new brothers and sisters into this family, into this body of Christ. So this is the purpose of the leaders Paul is talking about in verses 11 through 12. They are to teach the word of God, and God, God's word is what builds up the body, and we, as the body of Christ, then go and proclaim his word to the lost. And so we have these men um, in the church until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, until we attain mature manhood as we see perfectly in Christ. We will attain unity in the faith when Christ comes again, and we will all be in perfect unity on all matters of who God is, what he is like, and of the implications of his teachings found in Scripture. We will finally see God in all his glory and splendor, and we will finally know him like he has known us since before the foundation of the world and at that time we will also reach full maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and so we find our example of maturity in Christ we grow in mature- when we as we grow in maturity we will start to no longer be children tossed about by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes maturity is necessary so that we are not swayed by the many beliefs that surround our culture the false teachers uh, the things that may feel right but in reality are lies that lead to death. Paul is calling us not to be infants tossed about by such things. Instead, he is urging us to find our foundation in the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, which is Jesus. So while on earth, Christians are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And so this is a continual work of the Spirit of God in the lives and hearts of believers. And we would call this sanctification, Um, this act of being made holy like Christ. Our end goal then is to grow up in every way into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together with every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So if we are to grow up into every way into Christ, we are to be unified with the rest of his body as he is one with them. And then in verses 15 through 16, Paul is calling us to grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ, which occurs by being in community with and united with the body of Christ. Furthermore, when we speak in the the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so the truth that Paul is talking about here is gospel-centered truth. Truth. Body is to preach the word of God to one another in love so that we can grow up in Christ, who is the head, of the body. We are held together ultimately by Christ and are joined by the many people that make up the body. And when all the parts of this body are working properly, the body grows in love and in unity. So when this body is equipped and working like it was meant to and made to, um, it will grow in maturity and unity because we have been called to the one hope, eternity spent in communion with our God, the creator and redeemer of all things. And so this calling to unity happens once we have believed in Christ as our savior. We can be unified with God because of the sacrifice of his son through the power of the spirit. And we did nothing to earn or deserve this, uh, but because we have a merciful God, uh, we have been called into a family to be unified with the father, son, and spirit. Um, and we see that in verses two through t- chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 in Ephesians. It says, God is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So I want to ask this question. So then, how do we live in light of how we've been saved? Well, it says that we are to be unified as one body with Christ. And we have been given leaders in the church to help us pursue that unity. They do that by building up and equipping the members of their church with the word of God so that they can grow in maturity into the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so I want to kind of take all of this and um, kind of prepare you for your connect groups. And so we're going to kind of look through what it says about God and what it says about us. Um, And so we're going to kind of walk through what we see. Um, So what does it say about God? Well, it says that God is triune, which means he's triunity three in one. And this passage refers to one spirit, which is the spirit of God, one Lord, referring to Jesus, um, and one God and Father of all. Secondly, we see that God is over all and in all and through all. Uh, Christ ascended on high after having descended to earth in order that he might fill all things. The giver of spiritual gifts is the ascended Christ through the Holy Spirit. The knowledge of the Son of God brings maturity. He himself is our standard for maturity. Christ is the head of the body and is both the aim and source of our growth. And now we'll look at what it says about us. So it's talking about Paul, and he calls himself a prisoner for the Lord because he is imprisoned for the sake of the gospel as he's writing this letter. Um, As believers, we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called, which is to walk in humility, in gentleness, um, in patience, and in love. The Holy Spirit has unified all believers in Christ. We are called to maintain, then, and preserve this unity that has already been established for us through Christ. And then we looked at those seven realities um, that form the basis of true Christian unity, which is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Grace has been given to every believer through Christ's gift, the Holy Spirit. And there are specific gifts that we talked about: these apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers that were given uh, to equip all believers for the work of ministry. And our goal is to be unified in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, to reach mature, uh, to reach uh, maturity and look like Christ. And a result of that maturity is that we are not deceived any longer by these false doctrines and false teachers and human cunning and deceitful schemes. Um, Instead, we help one another hold to what is true by speaking that truth in love. Um, And before we pray, I wanted to kind of give us some application of this text. So first application is, if you are a Christian, are you plugged into a church? Think about that. Why or why not? Well, as we have been reading this text, it should be even more convicting for us to see um, that as Christians, we are to be a part of the body, not just on Sundays, but actively serving and being equipped for the work of ministry. So Paul is speaking to a church body here, the church in Ephesus. So the best place that this can happen, this being equipped for the work of ministry, is in a local church. Um, Number two, are you looking for a church where you can use your gifts to build up the body and be built up yourself? Are you seeking to be unified with God and with your local body? And for those of you plugged into a church, do you know what your gifts are? Uh, the best place where we can truly discover our gifting is in the body serving and pouring into others. Um, that's just what we find that Paul is talking about. He's addressing this church and saying, this is where you can find these things and you can experience as the Holy Spirit is giving these things to you to equip and build up the church. Um, and then lastly... Some of you here may not be believers, um, and we're glad that you're here, but as this text states, anyone who does not share this one spirit, this one Lord, one God and Father of all, is outside of that body, separated from the unity that the believers share with our God and each other. So if this is you, do you feel God is calling you to be unified with him and his church? If so, please come talk to one of us on staff. We usually have name tags. Sometimes we don't wear them. Um, But you can come talk to us on staff or talk to one of your Connect Group leaders. Um, But we'd love to walk with you through this, what it looks like to be unified with God um, and with the church. Um, And so let me pray for us before we get into our Connect Groups, and then I'll dismiss you for your Connect Groups. Um, Dear Heavenly Father,